Psalm 119. He is worthy of your life. He is worthy of leading your life. Even if that means He leads you to the end of your life on this earth. He is worthy of your life. He is worthy of leading your life. Even if that means He leads you to the end of your life on this earth. Psalm 119 is a man we might describe in three words, faithful, perishing sheep. He is faithful to the faithful God of all creation, the Lord Yahweh, his Savior and his Redeemer and King of his life. He is faithful even though he is perishing. The psalmist, through these 176 verses, is writing this alphabet of prayers through a trial in which, unless the Lord intervenes and delivers him, will be the last prayer that he prays. And it's by following the Lord that he's in this situation to begin with. There's those who are in the covenant of the Lord and those who are outside of it. Those who are outside of it are pursuing him to end him. And yet he is faithful, though perishing, and he describes himself through this letter again and again as a servant. And this morning, in the final verse, he'll describe himself as a sheep. Faithful, perishing sheep. This is our prayer for one another. This is our desire as a church family, that we would be known as faithful, perishing sheep. Wherever and however that may work itself out in our lives, Faithful, perishing sheep. Again and again, the turmoil of every letter leads him to reestablish and anchor his feet in knowing and doing the Torah, the teaching, the Word of God, the testimonies, the precepts. He anchors his feet in doing the Word of God, and he's steadfast then even as his life in this trial may become the last trial he knows on this earth. Faithful, perishing sheep. Now perhaps five months ago when I told you we were going to begin five months in one chapter, you might have been a little anxious. I was as well. Five months in one chapter. And yet this text, as all of God's Word, is so nourishing and appropriate, sufficient for us necessary, authoritative, and the clarity and the goodness of God's Word. My prayer for us as we fi finish this final letter in this longest chapter of God's Word is that God might find us and etch into our minds and our hearts a little deeper to long to desire to be like the psalmist, faithful, perishing sheep. Not that we would be famous, but that we would be faithful not that we would have ultimate comfort on this earth, but even if we find ourselves perishing in trial, we are affirmed and reaffirmed even more that we are the sheep of the Good Shepherd. In doing so, we're going to notice this morning in this final strophe, this poetic paragraph, three attributes we might pray that the Lord would find in us that we see in the life of the psalmist. First of those is that 
faithful perishing sheep, they ask for understanding and deliverance. Verse 169 and 170 of Psalm 119. If you don't have a Bible, please do follow along with us in the Pewback Bible before you. We're going to do some flipping around a little bit, at least through this long chapter. We notice first that faithful perishing sheep ask for understanding and deliverance. Why do they do that? Well, there's two reasons. We see in the life of the psalmist. First, it's that without understanding, we can't know our next step toward the Lord. Unless the Lord gives us understanding, we can't know the next step the Lord desires us to take according to His Word. Verse 169, read that for us. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. In trial, there can be a cloud of confusion that comes along. There can be a numbness. There can be an apathy. There can be an anger. A confounding of what should we do next when trial takes place, when life blindsides you. What ought I to do next? The psalmist knows where to turn. He turns to the Lord by His Word. By His Word. He doesn't pray, give me a gut feeling about this. He seeks the Lord by His Word. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your Word. The same idea, it's His plea, His appeal that's going to be echoed in 179 or 170 from 169. Let my cry come before you. He's going to echo that in 170. Let my plea, my appeal come before you. The Word of God is sufficient for him, and his prayer in seeking the Lord is that the Lord would give him understanding. If the Lord doesn't show us our next step, how can we possibly take it when life is spinning? A prayer of understanding is something the psalmist has prayed again and again and again. So let's look at a few of those points where he has prayed for understanding. And in so doing, so flip first uh, verse 34. Psalm 119, verse 34. What I want to make sure we observe in looking at all these requests for understanding that the psalmist makes is every one of them is coupled to an affirmation of the Scripture, to the Word of God. So he prays for understanding, but he prays so with a clear understanding that he's rooting himself in the Word of God. So look at this. Look, look at verse 34. He says, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Look over to verse 73. So he prayed, give me understanding that I may keep your law. Jesus comes and, and says of the wise man that they hear the word, they hear Jesus' word, and they, they do them. And that's what he prayed in verse 34. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Now in verse 73, your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. He knows the Lord has created him. His origins is in, is in God. God has manufactured him. And it's to the Lord that he looks for understanding. When things begin to break, you, you go to the manufacturer. He goes to the Lord. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Verse 99 He prays, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation, the, the testimonies of the Lord, by meditating on them. He's received more understanding than even his teachers. He's 
He's outgrown those that are to be teaching him. Verse 104, through your precepts I get understanding and therefore I hate every false way. It's shaping the way that he thinks as he prays for understanding through the Lord's precepts. Verse 125, I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. He reaffirms his identity as one who is a servant of the Lord and therefore he asks for greater understanding from the Lord. Verse 130, the enfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Praise God for that. 144, your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. Reaffirm the nature of God's word. And asking for understanding. And 169, what we just read, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. So here's a question. If he already has more understanding than all of his teachers, why does he continue to ask for understanding? Why does he continue to ask for understanding? It seems like he, he knows it all. He's the A student. He's teaching the teacher. So why does he continue to ask for understanding? It's because Scripture teaches us in, in Psalm 147.5 that, that His understanding, the Lord's understanding, is beyond measure. He's omni-wise. He's all-knowing. You can't out-ask God for understanding because His understanding is without measure. And the psalmist, even though or particularly because he has more understanding than his teachers, he knows his dependency, that the Lord has blessed him as a simple person, not experienced or necessarily wise in the ways of the world and the accomplishments of the world. The Lord has given him understanding. The world cannot understand. And therefore, when he's in this trial of his life, he goes to the Lord who has given him understanding. A mark of maturity in our life. Listen, scriptures are clear. Gray hair is a blessing of the Lord. But one of the dangers that can befall us as we age, as you become a senior instead of a freshman, one of the dangers can be that you write off the world to say, I know how all this goes. I've seen it before. I know how this turns out. And you can begin to live by tradition of assumptions instead of a dependency upon understanding of the Lord and, and life by His Word. So the blessing, one of the blessings of life is to gain experience and wisdom and knowing, okay, this is how this begins to turn out. But one of the dangers of that, of aging, is thinking you've seen this show and dance before. You know your next step is to do this automatically and, and this will work out. The psalmist, on the other hand, one who's advanced in understanding beyond his teachers, knows ever more so I need your understanding. Let's pray that we never become a people, we never become a church, we never, we never become individuals that think we know everything about the Lord, we know everything about His Word. That's foolishness. Or we know everything about what we should do in this circumstance or this conflict or this trial. But we should ever live with dependency upon the Lord to ask for understanding so we can know our next step. But not only do we need a dependency to, if we're really going to be faithful, perishing sheep, we don't only need understanding to know what we must do. We must ask for deliverance so we can actually take the next step. Look what he says, secondly, 
Verse 170. He says, let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. He asks the Lord for understanding to know and for deliverance to go. Without deliverance, we can't take our next step toward the Lord. When trials begin to consume our lives or just even basic life circumstances that we're not sure what to do next, the dependency to ask the Lord for understanding, to rest in His Word while we do so, and to ask for understanding from His Word and time in His Word, that ought to be coupled with a desire for the Lord to deliver us into that next step. Let my plea come before you, deliver me according to your power. The psalmist is wise, he's powerful, he's influenced, he's been influential by the Word of God in his life. But he knows his circumstance has revealed he is not powerful enough to take the next step. Question, in your life, have you ever had a season where you thought you had everything figured out? Have you ever had an area or a situation where you thought, okay, I got this down now. I know, what the, okay, I've got it. Believe it to me, I, I, understand, I, got this, I need help with this part of my life, but this part, it's cake. I got it. The psalmist is at a point of trial where he knows he does not know what to do. And he knows he does not have the power to take the next step. His dependency and his desire for deliverance it's as clear as it's ever been in his entire life. So we ask, Lord, would you deliver me? Now, the Psalms aren't chronological. Psalm 120 isn't just a continuation of Psalm 119, nor is it written by the same person. But I believe this is one of those situations where we, where we see the order of God's Word and we just praise the Lord for it and how the Psalms are arranged for us. There's five different sections, five different books we might call them that make up the Psalms, 150. Right after this, look at, look at Psalm 120. Look at Psalm 120. So Psalm 119 is this massive prayer for deliverance. Huge, beautiful alphabet prayer. And we don't know how it ends. It's a cliffhanger. We don't know if he gets delivered or if he dies. But we know how Psalm 120 begins. And the songs of ascent, or the psalms of ascent, will be sung by Israel. These 15 next psalms will be sung by Israel as they would ascend. They would gather for the feast. They would all come from where they were living and, and come to Jerusalem. They would travel upwards. Songs of ascent would sing as they ascended. Look at the very first two verses of Psalm 120 as they would sing this, as people would come from different situations and walk through treacherous lands, quite possibly. Psalm 120, verse 1 says, In my distress I called to the Lord. That's Psalm 119, right? In his distress he calls to the Lord. But what's the next words? And he answered me. In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Let's say that together. And he answered me. Israel that gathers together for the feast, coming from all different areas, they gather together as a people who have been answered in their prayers of distress by the Lord. But, Psalm 120, verse 2, says, once again, 
Look at this. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. Even though they've been delivered and the Lord's answered them before, they're having to pray for deliverance again. And isn't that much of our life as people that rest in Christ now? Our life is a situation of a trial or temptation or something we're waging war against. And we pray for deliverance and we're delivered. He answers us and then what? Another situation happens. And there's this longing and a looking forward to the Lord's perfect deliverance that will come one day. But that day is not yet. But until that day comes, what do we pray the Lord finds us as? Faithful, perishing sheep. A day will come for every one of us unless the Lord should come first. A day will come in which we will pray, Lord, would you deliver us from this trial? Would you deliver us from this sickness? And he will not deliver us in the way that we ask for it. We will die. Yet the Lord is the sure deliverer. We'll see this leads to our second idea. That we see that Mark, the life of the faithful, faithful perishing sheep, Faithful perishing sheep ask for understanding and deliverance. And secondly, as we transition to verses 171 through 175, faithful perishing sheep rest in Scripture with anticipation. Faithful perishing sheep rest in Scripture with anticipation. What a unique adjective to describe you. How neat would it be if somebody described you, say, hey, tell me about that person. They're talking about you. And, the, and you were described as somebody that lived with anticipation. Not an anticipation that says, is it done yet? But anticipation of the Lord's faithfulness. So what do we anticipate? Two qualities. We anticipate are words of thanksgiving. We see that with the psalmist, anticipating, faithful perishing sheep are those who are anticipating their coming words of thanksgiving. You know, what a great area to pray that the Lord would grow us in. That our family, our friends, our co-workers, even people you don't get along with that well, that they would describe you as somebody that lives with an anticipation of thanksgiving. Notice in 171 and 172, the psalmist still writing from the trial, writing from the trenches. He says, my lips will pour forth praise for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word for all your commandments are right. The psalmist maintains this confidence of future thanksgiving while in the trenches of the storm. He, so he, he writes like, I imagine here with Thanksgiving, I think about Thanksgiving, it's only 60 days away. Do you know that? 60 days away. Hmm, it's going to be good. You ever had that feeling where you're driving? That's one of the favorite drives. Some people may or may not like driving, but I think, how can you not like the drive to a Thanksgiving meal? And imagine you're driving to that Thanksgiving meal and you're imagining after the meal, you're sitting around and you're just thanking all the cooks. I'll thank you for that pie. That was incredible. I'll thank you for that turkey that was so good. That stovetop, mm-mm-mm. Right. You just can't wait. 
there's this expectation. You haven't eaten the meal yet, but you're marked by a thankfulness that you've not yet experienced. That's the psalmist. He's in the middle of the trial still. That may be the very last trial he knows on this earth. And yet he's marked with a thankfulness, a my lips will pour forth praise. My, my lips will bubble up like a spring praise. My tongue will sing of your word. Even though he's captivated by the circumstances of life, as every one of us is, he lives with an anticipation of thanksgiving. What a reason to praise the Lord. What a reason to gather together and sing. Listen, let's be honest. There's, there's many of us that have come in through these doors this morning that you're in serious trial. You're confounded, and you can't even hardly think about the idea of thanksgiving or praise. And yet part of the gift that the Lord gives us as a congregation is you're around people that are singing these truths. You're reminded of God's faithfulness and His deliverance and His kindness to us in Christ. And for a moment, you lift your eyes to the goodness of your King, future deliverance that will come forever for His people. May the Lord and may others find us as people who anticipate their words of thanksgiving. And secondly, 173 through 175, let us be a people that are marked with an anticipation of His perfect timing. Let people find us and, and know us as a people who anticipate our words and our songs of thanksgiving and let them know us as a people who are marked by a belief in His perfect timing timing. We might say a, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done type of hearts. Faithful perishing sheep rest in Scripture with anticipation. Look at 173 through 175. Let your hand be ready to help me. Literally, let your hand to help me. For I've chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. His desire is to live, not die. His desire is to live so he can do what? Praise the Lord. How does he desire to praise the Lord? With his lips and with his life. He wants to keep living so he can keep praising the Lord with his lips and his lifestyle. All that he is, he desires to be the Lord's. The Lord has never been late. The Lord has never missed His cue. One of the hardest parts of preaching is that you get this mistake of thinking, I'm saying these words because I've always thought them. Or in the middle of a storm, I've not also wrestled with and wrestle with the Lord's timing. And yet it's wrestling with the Lord's timing that often affirms our faith even more. It's the belief that the psalmist has as he writes from the middle of a storm that the Lord's timing is right and good. He says, let your hand be ready to help me. I long for your salvation. Let my soul live and praise you. The psalmist delights while in the circumstances he's in because he knows the Lord's timing is perfect. He knows the Lord by His covenant faithfulness is a deliverer. And even if the Lord doesn't answer His prayer according His desire to live longer on the earth so that He can keep praising the Lord with His lips and His life, 
He knows the Lord is still perfect in His timing. That's what reaffirms the saints today. Lord, this is my desire to be out of this trial. But your timing is perfect. Your way is right. Your hand is a delivering hand. And I rest in your word according to your covenant faithfulness. The psalmist is able to delight in the word in the middle of the trials because he knows the Lord and he knows the Lord's timing is always perfect. The timeless one knows the right time. The timeless one knows the right time. If you could speak to yourself in your life to this point, Was there a particular season where you would wish that you could go back and remind yourself of that truth? Don't rush this. Abide in the Lord. Delight in His Word. His timing is always right. Whatever that season is, rest now in the gospel and believing His Word is time, and timing are true. Faithful perishing sheep, they ask for understanding and deliverance. Faithful Perishing sheep rest in Scripture with anticipation. And finally, as we come to the final verse of Psalm 119, said simply, faithful perishing sheep long to be close to their faithful seeking shepherd. Faithful perishing sheep. What describes them? A longing to be close to their faithful seeking shepherd. What a beautiful thing that somebody could describe us as, isn't it? What a beautiful person. Questionable sports teams that they rooted for, but they desired to be close to their shepherd. They were faithful, perishing sheep. Faithful, perishing sheep longed to be close to their faithful, seeking shepherd. Look at 176. Here it is. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I did not forget your commandments. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. One of the dangers when we come to a text that maybe we're more familiar with the New Testament idea of a lost sheep. When you hear lost, you might think sin, because all of us have been in a season of sin or may find ourselves in a season of sin. And we know that what sin does is it makes us apathetic to the things of God. We're astray from the will of the Lord for our life. We know that when we're entrapped by sin. And so we can make the mistake on 176 of reading that into that, but we know from the previous 175 verses, the psalmist is not astray because of sin. The psalmist is abiding in the covenant of the Lord. He's living the way the Lord calls him to live. And it's because he's faithful to the way the Lord causes him to live that he feels distant from God. Can you relate to that? Being in a trial or season of life where you feel dry, where you're at a place you don't want to be, and it's not because of sin, but you're still in this season nevertheless where the Lord may seem distant to you. The psalmist knows that place. What does he pray? 
to finish off this alphabet of prayers. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. He's already prayed for understanding and deliverance, and now he says, now you come seek me. Help me know how to take the right step to you. You're the faithful seeking shepherd. I'm a sheep that's astray and confounded. Will you seek me? I don't know how to get back, but I know you know where I am. And I know you know how to get to me. So get to me. What a beautiful short prayer that can be on our lives and our lips. If you're a child in school, remember this. If you're a student, remember this. Lord, I, I feel lost. Would you seek me by your word? Would you seek me by your word? What a beautiful short prayer to pray. Now, the last portion, I'll make sure and catch this last component of 176. If you don't get it, I'm going to re-preach the whole series starting next week. So listen, <laughs> that is a threat. He says, seek your servant for four. I do not forget your commandments. I, we've not really touched on this very much. There's been about a dozen, at least a dozen previous spots in this psalm where it sounds like he's leveraging the Lord. But I'm going to argue he's not doing that. But he's, he's saying something in a different way that we actually know and practice and pray on a consistent basis. We see in the New Testament as well. He's not saying, I have gone astray like a sheep. Seek your servant, and you need to seek me because I do not forget your commandments. He's not saying it as one that says, Lord, you need me. He's not saying as one that says, I've done my part of the deal. You do your part of the deal. It's not what he's saying. He's reaffirming the faithfulness of God, and he's being honest and looking at his life and saying, Lord, to my knowledge, there is no seek me. We've seen him pray that multiple times. Seek me. Examine me, Lord. The psalmist has examined his life, and there's no sin in his life. He's living a repentant life. He's walking in the way that the Lord would have him to walk. And so he says, seek me, God. He's not saying, rescue me because there's no sin in my life. He's saying, I'm right with you. I'll give you an example. Have you ever had a conflict with somebody and you didn't resolve it? Or it was your fault and you never apologized for it? And then you saw that person at the grocery store. And you, you saw them in that row and you intentionally wanted to go to a different aisle all of a sudden. You ever done that? Or you couldn't get out of that aisle and you saw them and you began to speak to them. And you just gave the, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Good to see you. And you decided to always do online shopping for the rest of your life. Can you relate to that? That's how it is in our life when we know there's unconfessed, unrepentant sin that we're walking and swimming and bathing in before the Lord, isn't it? We can pray, but we know the Spirit has just put this clear, flashing neon sign about this sin in our life that we need to do business with Him about. The psalmist is saying, that's not in me. You've searched me. I'm resting in you. In 1 Peter 3, 7, we ought to take marriage very seriously for a multitude of reasons. God's gift to us, a, a gift to us, a great gift to us. 
We should not enter into it just quickly. In 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter warns the men, if you do not honor your wives, the Lord will not honor your prayer. A lack of honoring your spouse will lead to a dishonoring, a hindering of your prayer before God. The psalmist, in that similar way, there's not a hindering in my life. I'm honoring you, Lord. Would you deliver me? Next week, we're going to begin the book of Malachi. The prayer of the psalmist that we spent five months in, and we've prayed at our congregational prayer, try to summarize the best we can whatever our primary text is in that series. And so when we finish our congregational prayer, we'll, we'll pray it again for the last time, this, this prayer from Psalm 119. We'll begin a new one next week through Malachi. What we'd like to say is that the psalmist in his life in 119 becomes representative of the people of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah who's been released back into the land. The temple has been built the people have experienced unbelievable heartache and they come back into the land and we think if anybody was going to learn their lesson, it would be God's covenant people to, the, to a watching world. And you know what happens? God sends Malachi, his messenger, and he confronts them with truth. You have a heart problem still. You went into captivity, you've returned, and yet your heart is still far from me. You love yourselves rather than me. Your worship is marked by a heart problem of a focus on self, and your ethics are marked by a heart problem of a focus on self. People are longing, tearfully they're worshiping, and yet he says, your heart, you're far from me. God in His kindness to us would send the Messiah to handle our heart problem. I don't know where you're at exactly in your life right now, but the Lord does. And the Lord desires us to come and to rest in Him. He is our hope. His Word is true in every one of our circumstances. And He enables us and calls us and deploys us into trials to be faithful, perishing sheep. The Lord has a way of using trials and suffering to rearrange our priorities into a healthy way that we would have never done on our own. It's true. I've literally had about five examples come into my mind at the same time, so I'm buffering. And I don't think I'm going to give any of them because I didn't get any of your permission to use them. But looking at your faces, there's literally a half a dozen of you that I could speak of right now that are going through a trial of grief or hardship. I could ask you to come up right here and to share an example 
of your life of how the Lord has rearranged your priorities to desire today more than anything to be close to your shepherd. And that would not have been your primary priority before your trial began. The Lord has a way of rearranging our desires even through hardship, even through perishing. And maybe we'd say especially through perishing. I don't know the full way that your story is going to end, just like we don't know the full way that the psalmist's story ends. But what I do know is the full way that all of these story will end. In Revelation chapter 22, let me read it. The new heavens and new earth, and the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were the healing of the nations. No longer will there, will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and they will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever, faithful, perishing sheep, because deliverance in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is ours. That's the message of hope. We can live not by bread alone, but by every word of God, because it's all about God. He sustains us. He's our sustenance. And He calls us to live as faithful, perishing sheep. How do we take next steps? How do we take next steps? We have three particular components for us. Series-wide. So one of the challenges has been to read through Psalm 119 on a regular basis. And I'd ask that you'd read it one more time this week. Like, read it more than, don't make this the last time you read Psalm 119 for the rest of your life. But would you read it one more time, and, and with that one more time, would you have three components in mind as you read? Component number one, what changes in my life will occur this week so I can better understand the Word of God? So these three questions, if you're going to read through Psalm 119, you might take this part of your bulletin and, or take a picture of it and have it in mind as you read through Psalm 119, asking God, what, what, what changes in my life might there be so I can better understand your Word, so I can better understanding my need to understand your Word? Secondly, as you read through Psalm 119, pray, is, is there sin in my life? God, is there sin in my life that I know will lead me astray or apathetic to the things of you? Are there distractions in my life that need to be reprioritized so that I might pray like the shepherd, the, the, the sheep, that I would long most to be in your presence, not astray or distant from you. And, and third, Psalm 119 has shown us that we are designed not to live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So my question is, is there someone in your life that you might prayerfully seek after and remind that truth to this week? Is there someone in your life you might pursue, text, call, send a letter, write a letter, what a great ministry to write letters. And send them a word of encouragement and a reminder. The Lord is faithful. And His word is true. Let me pray for us. Lord, Your word is faithful. You are faithful. 
Lord, we ask that you would help us to remember your faithfulness, that we would anchor our feet by your word, this light into our path. Lord, that you would help us to hide your word in our heart that we may not sin against you. God, we pray that you would find us as faithful as perishing sheep. Lord, we pray for those that don't know you as king, that they might repent and come to faith in you and, and know life, and life abundantly in your way. God, would you make us a people ever quick to confess sin? Would you make us a people ever quick to cry out to you by your word? Would you bring this psalm back to our minds by your spirit in the coming days, in the remaining days of our life? You are good and you are faithful. Help us to be a people that live not by bread alone, but by every word of yours. It's in Jesus' name. All God's people said together.